This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bible, turn to the book of James tonight. We're continuing our series entitled Practical Christianity. Uh, and I mentioned this morning that this, today, tonight's message is going to get a little bit spicy uh, because it's, uh, it's one of those messages that uh, if you're honest with yourself, you got some work to do, okay? Uh, just, uh, just, if you're just going to be honest about where you stand, where your heart is, uh, you're going to realize that uh, it's going to uh, require a little bit of change on our part, and change sometimes is difficult. James chapter 4, we're going to start in only one verse tonight, uh, verse number 6. So you might think to yourself, only one verse, right? If you've been in who we call it for any length of time, you will know that the number of verses has nothing whatsoever to do with the length of the message, okay? So uh, uh, I got two pages of notes here tonight. I don't know how long that lasts, but uh, that's what I got tonight. So, uh, but I know you'll be helped by this. One simple verse, um, I, I was going to read the, starting in uh, verse number one for the sake of context, but I don't want to do that. I just want you to focus on one verse tonight, okay? Um, so many times I feel like it's important to read sections of the Bible, like this morning we took a look at all of Psalm 103 and we read the whole Psalm, but I feel like sometimes if we do that, we miss the really important parts that we need to focus on, and so I'm just going to read one verse tonight just so that I can laser beam focus your attention on the one verse that we're going to take a look at. James chapter four, verse number six. This is a verse that you should memorize that you should, uh, again, put in your back pocket. You should write it on a three-by-five card. You should uh, highlight in your Bible. You should circle, star, underline if you use a, a mobile app for your Bible app. Uh, you should highlight this verse because you need to come back to it time and time again. James chapter 4, verse number 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. As we take a look at this, just... The juxtaposition of two words here, two heart statuses, pride and humility. And I think most of us would like to say, well, we don't really struggle that much with pride. Maybe there's a couple of times where our pride gets out of control, but for the most part, we have it under control. But as we'll see tonight, pride seeps into every single area of our life so that pride many times goes unchecked. Uh, that we don't recognize it for what it is. We think, oh, the problem's something else. The problem is this, the problem's that, or I have a short temper, or I have a short fuse, or people get on my nerves really easily. But we can really trace all that back at the end of the day to pride, and that's why uh, a verse like this is so critical that we learn from and implement in our lives. Uh, as we saw in verses one through three, just by way of review, our quest for pleasure of this world is idolatry. Again, the Bible says that he who desires friendship with the world is at enmity with God. And so again, we're not looking to do things that the world, the way the world does things. The world uh, puffs up. The world wants you to have pride. The, wor the world celebrates even the word pride, uh, that this is something that we should be proud of. And many times the things that the world says that we should be proud of are actually things that God calls sin that Christians should actually be ashamed of. And so, again, the world's way of doing things is not God's way of doing things. God's way is totally different, totally separate. But the quest for the pleasure that comes from this world is idolatry. And that's problematic because you and I, when we just want what we want, how we want, when we want, where we want, the root of that is, somebody help me, pride, 100%. So even something like idolatry, I want what I want, I'm willing to go to whatever lengths I, I can to get what I want, comes back down to the root of pride. Uh, verse number four tells us that friendship with the world is open hostility and it's antagonistic towards God. Again, anytime we set ourselves up against God, we're in trouble. Because when it's us against God, you and I versus God, it's not even remotely close to a fair fight, right? We're always going to lose 100% of the time. So you and I have to figure out, how do we get on God's side and not be opposed to God? And the Bible says that friendship with the world makes us an enemy of God, open antagonism, like come get me. 
uh, against God. And now when we get on, down into verse number six here tonight, we see that the Bible says that God resisteth the proud, and our selfish, self-centered pride repels God. When the Bible says that God resisteth the proud, I've heard it explained sometimes that it's like a, a, a running back going through it down the football field and stiff-arming, repelling. And, and that's a good idea that in the fact that when we come to God with pride, God kind of pushes us away. He keeps us at an arm's length. But if you begin to study the word that James used here for uh, resisteth, is the Greek word antitomisi, which actually means an army set up against. And so to come to God with pride basically means that God has set up his army against us to repel us by all means necessary. This is not a friendly, like, push away. This, again, puts us on opposite sides fighting against God. And so, again, the idea of being antagonistic towards God, God repelling us, God is actually against us when we come at him with pride and so when we think about pride pride is really the sinful desire to elevate oneself when it comes down to again the greek word that's used for pride in this uh passage of scripture the word literally means one who shows himself above other people again if all things are the same Pride is taking me and placing it over other people. And again, we see this so much in our, in our culture today. A desire for me to be the main character of the show. Me for, to be the center of attention. Me to be the person that people look towards. <laughs> My daughter and I were at, at Alawana Center a, a few, uh, a couple months ago now. It was uh, back before Christmas time. And there's this girl, we were standing up on the second level, we were looking down, this girl had her phone, and she's walking through uh, the mall like this with her phone, like, as she's talking, and then she gets to the end over here, and she goes like this, and she goes, oh, and she walks back over here like this, and she puts her phone up, she's like, the exact same thing, and I thought to myself, she didn't like what she saw the first time, so she went back and re-recorded it. And I thought to myself, like, oh, my soul. And, and again, trying to gain attention, trying to, to make your life be more presentable, you know? What's the root of that? To elevate one above everyone else. Again, our society measures people in the number of followers that they have or the number of people that like their uh, content that they put out and things along those lines. And uh, young people are, are uh, determined to develop their own brand, it's funny, I met a guy one time, and I was out uh, on outreach, and was, uh, gave an invitation to church, and I said, uh, he's like, oh yeah, I got to get to work today. I said, what kind of work do you do? And he says, I'm a, I'm a brand ambassador. Oh, for who? Oh, I've got my own brand. Oh, and I forget what it was. Here's something I thought to be silly. I'm sure it was really meaningful to him. It's like, like level up or you know plus one or something like that and i was like oh that's cool what is it it's a worldwide brand oh do you have any products that you sell no man it's just a brand okay and so <laughs> i go to his instagram sure enough it's a brand it's just like a logo with words underneath it and he is a brand ambassador it's just like what is that but again we celebrate people who develop a, a useful brand we look towards people on the internet or on social media who have a brand, who are, 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 uh, have a platform of some sort. And again, the whole, again, get this, the whole idea of a platform is that we're going to put one person above another person, right? That's the whole idea of having a platform. So when we look at pride and the desire to elevate oneself, I, I need some help tonight. Help me with this. What is one of the ways that we see pride come out in our lives in our churches, in our society today, what's one of the ways that we see pride come out? Somebody help me. The what's that? The mirror. the mirror. What do I look like? Do I look better than everybody else? If not, I'm going to find a way to look better than everybody else. Good. Who else? Status. Status. Again, who am I? What do people think of me? What else? Money. Money. How much do I have? And here's the thing. You can't go around flashing your bank account at people, right? That's a good way to get robbed. So how do we prove that we have money? 
we drive expensive cars, we buy nice clothes, we wear expensive watches, you know, we wear lots of jewelry, uh, we wear expensive brands, we carry big purses, uh, guys carry expensive man bags, right? Uh, hey, get this, I'm not against a, man, a good man bag. I, I have a good man bag, okay? I'm not saying anything's wrong with a man bag. I'm just saying I'm not spending $3,000 on a man bag, right? My wife and I, one time, uh, we had some folks over to our house, and, and uh, one of the couples we knew, the other couple we didn't know, and he had a really cool-looking man bag, and I thought, wow, that's really neat. And after he left, my wife was like, my soul, did you see his bag? And I go, yeah, I thought it was cool, like, like super cool. She was like, do you know how much that costs? And I was like, no, no idea. And she was like, three grand. I was like, ah, uh, ah, uh, no dude carries a $3,000 man bag. Come on. Sure enough, she pulls it up. I was just like, what? A dude that was in my house has a $3,000 man bag? Like, I- I'm getting like the, the kind ones at like TNC Surf, you know, the, the like little ones, like man bag. Like, I don't know nothing about like a $3,000 man bag. Money. Money's one of the ways that we show pride. What else? Knowledge. I'm smarter than you and let me show you how. Here's where I went to school. Here's the kind of grades that I made. Or maybe I didn't go to school. I'm just going to tell you how super smart I am, you know? Uh, I'm going to talk over your head on purpose to show you that I'm super smart and I'm smarter than you'll ever possibly be. Good. What else? The job. Hey, you know, uh, I'm going to celebrate who I am and I'm going to find my identity in the type of work that I do. And again, sometimes we can get sucked into this even as Christians because, again, if you've ever come to Hui Kala for the first time and you met me, you realize we're going to play a game and it's called 20 Questions, right? Hey, what's your name? Where you're from? Where did you grow up? What kind of work do you do? Do you enjoy the type of work that you do? Where do you live? What are some things you enjoy doing in your free time? Because uh, I want to get to know you. I want to find out who you are. But oftentimes, sometimes when we ask what kind of work do you do, people might be embarrassed to answer that. Like, oh, I work at the bank. Like, oh, Okay. You're a bank teller? No, I like work at the bank. Oh, okay. What, what, what kind of work? I'm on the cleaning and janitorial staff. Okay, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Any. No need to be ashamed of where you work or what kind of work that you do. Again, there's no status here, you know? What else do we think of when we think of pride? What's that? Health? Exercise, fitness. I'm tougher than you, I'm stronger than you, I'm faster than you, I'm better looking than you, I can lift more weights than you. I'm just saying. I know you're looking at me, because when I said strong, you looked at me. I know, it's okay. You you should be proud of the fact that you have, no, not proud. Uh, You should be thankful. (laughs) Thankful for the fact that you have a totally awesome, handsome pastor. Don't don't be proud of the fact. What else? How good I am. Again, uh, I'm righteous. I, fo- I follow the Bible. You know, again, the Pharisees, were their entire pride was built upon their righteousness and adherence to God's law. What else? Power. power. Oh, man. We see this oftentimes in relationships. That I want to be able to have power so I can boss you around, so I can tell you what to do, so that I can be in charge, so that people can look at me. And I've got like, oh, I've got like 15 guys that work for me, or I've got 450 guys that work for me, or I've got 1,000 people under my command. Okay. What else? Ooh, inability to admit that you're wrong, right? Man, isn't that so? Like, well, that wasn't my fault. Always having to have somebody else to blame and on never taking responsibility for anything because, of course, it's never your fault. What else? We covered a pretty good amount. How about this? Always having to have the last word. Always having to be right. All these things are ways that pride creeps in to every situation. And again, it's one of those things we have to guard against because pride is toxic. I know you don't have a slide for that, but you should write it down. Pride is toxic. It ruins every single solitary thing that it touches. Luke chapter 14, verse number 11, Jesus said this, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Here's what happened. Here's what Jesus says. If we've got a ladder, and you climb your way to the top of the ladder and someone else chooses to stay on the bottom of the ladder in humility, one of these days Jesus is going to take the ladder and he's going to flip it around. So that the person who was at the top is now going to be on the bottom, and the person who was at the bottom is now going to be on the top. 
Jesus says, that's how this works. And so basically, if you want to puff yourself up, if you want to make yourself somebody, if you want to everyone to stand in awe of how awesome you are, that's great. You're going to have a minute in the sun, but just know your minute, when it expires, you're going back down to the bottom. Isn't it interesting that we see this even in, in celebrities in Hollywood? I, I was reading, uh, I was skimming news headlines the other day, and somebody said something, something Macaulay Culkin. I was like, like the Home Alone kid? Like, where has he been for 30 years, you know? Why? Because he was super popular for a couple of years, made a couple of hit movies. Where did he go? I don't know. I never even read the article. I just thought it was interesting. Like, I never thought of Macaulay Culkin in, like, 33 decades. He's evidently still alive. I didn't know that. But isn't it interesting someone who is so popular now has faded into obscurity? Why? Because pride has to continue to keep its game up. You won't stay at the top forever. There's coming a day where you will fall. And the higher you place someone, the further that they have to fall. That's why, again, it's, it's ridiculously unhealthy when churches elevate the status of the pastor as to being like some Superman uh, sub-deity underneath God. That's problematic because when you place somebody on a platform like that, the only place that they have to go is down. Now, should the office of the pastor be revered? The Bible says so. Should we honor people who, uh, who carry out that office well? The Bible says so, yes. Are these people superhuman in some way? Absolutely not. No way. So again, pride lifts these people up because everybody wants a hero. Let me tell you this. The hero for you and I, the hero of the Bible, is always 100% of the time going to be Jesus. Every time. Look, David wasn't a hero. Oh, yeah, but he killed Goliath. <laughs> Again, the guy who finds fault in everything. I'm walking through the lobby today, and I asked Buffy, why is there blue tape on the wall over here? That's been driving me bananas all week. I, I meant to get a ladder and get it down. And she was like, well, that's how, how tall Goliath is. <laughs> Could we use something other than blue tape? Could we put, like, a big head? Like, here's, the, here's even better. Could we put a severed head up there, right? I thought that would be a good idea, but blue tape is like, somebody forgot to take the tape off the wall. I was going somewhere with that. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> oh, yeah, heroes of the Bible. Um, David wasn't the hero. David was a loser. David sinned with Bathsheba. David sinned again and again and again and again. And the only reason he got to even remotely have anything good about his life was because Jesus was the hero. Always. Take a look at the Apostle Paul. Paul, we would say, a hero of the faith. Paul would say he's a loser of the faith. He would call himself the chief of all sinners. If there's ever been a sinner that's lived, he says, I'm the worst one. He would go so far as to say, I know in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And if we made a list of the top ten Christians in the world, Paul would be embarrassed to find his name on there. Why? Because he knows he's not the hero. But pride always wants to be the hero. Pride always wants to be the one who saves the day. And, and we need to be careful with this even when it comes to the Christian life. Because sometimes, uh, even those of us that serve and love people well, we want to be the hero by fixing everybody's problems. I don't know how many of you up, out there would consider yourself a people pleaser. I just want people to be happy. Right? How many people pleasers do we have out here? Raise your hand. Be honest. I just want people to be happy and want to do whatever it takes to, to be happy. Good. Everyone who just raised their hand, and for those of you that are in church and lied and didn't raise your hand, you know what they publicly admitted tonight? They struggle with pride. I, I want to make people happy, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that people will look at me and go, wow, that's the guy that makes me happy. That's the gal that makes me happy. Now, again, can it have a, a good side to it? Definitely. I want to do my best to please the Lord. I want God to be glorified through my life. Is that good? Yes. I want to do my best so that people will like me. My hand was up with you because I want people to like me. I just do. But the root of that is nasty. It's pride. And so again, we have to, to dig into our hearts and find that Christ will always be the only hero that we have. Christ is the only one who will never fail us. There's only one person that's worthy of our worship and honor, and it's Christ. But when we choose to elevate ourselves, that's pride and that repels God. While pride will manifest itself outwardly at times, it's a sickness and condition of the heart. 
Will pride make its way out? Definitely. But pride is in its heart long, long before it ever makes its way out. Just to show you by way of example, you might have never said out loud hurtful or ugly things about other people, but you've looked at somebody and you thought, oh my gosh, who do they think they are? They're pathetic, right? You've thought things in your head. You might never have actually came out and said it, but that just goes to show that your pride is in your heart. Oh my goodness, who does this person think they are? I could do this 10 times better and 10 times faster. Just move out of the way. Good grief. Why did this person get promoted and I did This guy's a knucklehead. He hasn't done what I've done. He's not as smart as I am. He's not as good as I am. Why did this person, you know, get all the credit for that project? I was the one who was busting my tail on this. Why, why did that happen and not for me? You might not have said it out loud, but you thought it in your heart, and that's just an indication that eventually it's going to work its way out. That's why we've got to be on guard against pride in our own hearts. We've got to tear our hearts apart. And here's the thing for me that... that um, I, I'm sad that like I'm on my fourth decade of life and I've just figured out the, to ask this question to myself. But I started asking the question a lot lately, why? Why do I feel this way? Why did I say that? Why do I feel the need to be right? Why do I need to feel the need to go back and correct what was said so that it makes me look better? What's broken inside of me that needs validation? And honestly, just why? And, and again, we can trace our, our hurt a, a long ways back. You know, uh, Again, for me, I was very loved by my parents. I grew up in a, a Christian home. My parents weren't perfect. They did their best that they knew how to do. I was very loved by my parents, I felt like. But I wasn't really all that popular in school. I played sports, but I wasn't like with the, the like popular sports guys. Um, I, I didn't hang out with like a, I wasn't with the super nerdy crowd or the weirdos. And I grew up in Kentucky, and so I didn't hang out with the rednecks with the big huge belt buckle that rode horses on the weekend. I didn't really have a crowd that I was with. I was kind of like friends with everybody, but friends with nobody at the same time. It's kind of weird, and so that leaves you feeling like a little bit insecure because you don't really have a crowd or a crew that you run with. I mean, I had three or four friends, but like I didn't get invited to parties or popular stuff or things like that. And then that makes you feel again like a teenager like insecure and then I left high school and joined the Navy right out of high school and then I joined the military and basically uh, the guys that I went to school with and the people that I hung out with is always about uh, drinking and sleeping around and things like that I wasn't involved in that so I never really had friends there either and so I've always been kind of the the ugly duckling I never really had a place where I fit and that bred a lot of insecurity and I desired greatly to be liked now, again, I can spin a really long story and all, that, all that's true. I can make a lot of excuses why I'm insecure. I can make a lot of excuses why I want people to like me. But at the end of the day, my heart is sick with the sin of pride. That's the issue. Again, we can talk about like, oh, people said things to me that weren't nice, or I didn't fit in, or I didn't have a lot of friends, or I was very lonely, or I spent my weekends watching you know, VHS tapes that were in from Blockbuster until 2 o'clock in the morning. All the excuses in the world you want to comes back down to this. You need to get a grip because it's pride. That's what's broken inside of us. And again, it's an internal problem that will eventually manifest itself externally. So we got to get a grip on it. We got to get a hold of it because it ruins everything that it touches. <laughs> pride, again, one who exalts himself above others. Pride elevates itself above God, therefore it must be punished. How many of you have had a time in your life where you knew what you were supposed to do according to the Bible, but you chose to do the opposite anyways? Those of you, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're just weren't paying attention to what I was talking about, evidently. I don't want to call you a liar, but you're a liar. We've all done it, right? I know precisely what I'm supposed to do, but I just want to do what I want to do, and I don't care. Do you know what the root of that is? Anybody want to help me? Pride. I know what God says, but I'm placing my wants, my needs, my desires, my knowledge, what I want 
above God's commandments. And I've elevated myself above God. <laughs> to, to, to think about how serious, and again, sometimes people are like, oh, like I struggle with pride, that's not that big of a deal. Hey, here's how serious pride is. When Satan was kicked out of heaven, do you know why he was kicked out of heaven? Anybody want to help me? Pride. I'll elevate my throne above the throne of the Most High. I will have the glory that belongs to God alone. I will elevate myself above God. And God says, oh, no, you won't, and you're out. And all the fallen angels that followed him were cast out, again, not into hell, but onto the earth. Pride is so serious that it split heaven. Think about that for a second. Pride is so serious that it was the very first sin that Satan committed. It's heavy. The desire to exalt one above God. And again, let me just help you. I've said this. If I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred more. Anytime you say, I know what the Bible says, but whatever you follow that statement up with, just stop because it's the most foolish thing you've ever said in the world. To think that you are the exception to the rule, that you know better than God, or that you will elevate yourself above God. Pastor, I know the Bible says divorce is a sin, but I just can't live like this anymore. <clears throat> You've elevated yourself above God. Well, Pastor, I know that this is a sin, but I also know that God forgives sin. <laughs> Please don't presume upon the grace of God because it might not be there when you most need it. You've elevated yourself above God. Well, I know the Bible says this, but I don't know if when that was written, it had my situation in mind. Oh, so God didn't have the forethought to know. Then you've just elevated yourself above God because now you're smarter than God. It's so problematic. Isaiah chapter 13, verse number 11, and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. God says this, I will utterly punish the proud, the arrogant. Those who rise up against me will be struck down 100 times out of 100. You might be sitting here going, well, this morning, Pastor, you said that God doesn't punish his children. He won't. He'll chastise you because he refuses to give his glory to anyone else. That's a fact. So God doesn't play around with pride. It's so funny sometimes when I talk to people, I say, you know, is there any sin in your life that you're struggling with that you can't seem to get past? Well, not really. I mean, just like typical stuff like everybody deals with, you know, like pride. It's like, but did you just say the P word and act like it's not a big deal? Like, pride is a huge deal to God. And when you think about what pride does, pride is really the root of all drama and discord. Pride causes conflict. Look, we take a look at what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine right now. What is the root of that conflict right now? Anybody want to take a guess? Pride. Hey, I want what you've got, and I'm willing to take it at whatever cost. I don't care because I deserve it. And so pride is, the Bible tells us, uh, again, in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 10, only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised, there's wisdom. If there is strife in your life, the root of it is pride 100% of the time. You're having problems in your marriage, the problem in your marriage is pride. You're having problems with your children, strife, fighting, drama, the root of it is pride. Having problems with a coworker, your boss is just a knucklehead, he doesn't know what he's doing, and I could do his job so much better. You know the root of your problem really is it's pride. And it might be pride on your boss's part and pride on your part, which causes a, a, a double problem. But pride's the root of the, the issue. I remember when we, our very first Christmas as a married couple, we lived in a, a Navy housing over by the Navy Exchange. We were so excited. It was our first Christmas, and our neighbors had uh, 
put up some Christmas decorations. And it was like, oh, this is cool. Like, our neighbors are not going to go all out. And, like, l- like, every other day they would bring, like, more yard decorations. They had, like, the, you know, the reindeer that bent down and back up. They had the inflatable Santa. And then they got, like, a, the big, huge snow globe that blew snow around and stuff like that. And they were hanging lights out there. And it's like, this is fun, you know. And so, uh, so we put lights on our house. It was our first Christmas. The lights on the house. And I got to get on the ladder. And I'm putting lights up there with a the staple gun, like, all manly stuff. It was, it was awesome. And so it was, was kind of neat because our neighbors kind of like went all out. Like, man, Christmas spirit, I mean, these guys are with it, right? And then, uh, you know, we leave our Christmas tree up until, you know, uh, January 1st. We start packing everything up, putting it away. Our neighbors left all their stuff out. It's like January 15th. All their stuff's still out. And now it's not fun anymore. It's trashy to have your Christmas decorations out in the middle of January. Some of you need to write that down, Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that that was in the Bible. I can find you a verse, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> something about being a sluggard or slothful or something like that. Like, you don't leave your Christmas decorations out in the middle of January. It gets to like the end of January. And here's the thing. The snow globe isn't even blown up anymore. It's like laying on the ground, deflated for weeks. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I can't handle this. Every day I would come home and I would just grip the steering wheel in the driveway thinking to myself, I'm just going to go over there and just let them know. I'm just going to go there and let them know. And I didn't. Then it gets to be about 10 o'clock at night, and one night I thought to myself, I'm just going to go over there and jerk everything down and pile it up in a big, huge pile in their front yard. This was back the day before ring doorbells, before they would have you on camera and stuff like that. I was thinking to myself, like, oh, man, furious. I, I called Navy Housing. I complained. They was like, oh, okay, we'll send somebody by and talk to them, stuff like that. Nobody ever came by. I kept calling. Nobody ever came by. And I'm just absolutely furious. Beginning of February, Christmas decorations thrown all over the front yard, and I am livid. Why would you be so angry about somebody else's Christmas decorations? Anybody want to help me? Pride. You don't get to mess up my neighborhood. People drive by and see the garbage on your lawn. What do they think about me? Oh, yeah, we're the house on the left right past the big garbage heap of Christmas decorations. Yeah, that's our place. No. You know why? I'm better than that. Man, 22-year-old me didn't get pride then. I wish I did. I was selfish. I was proud. I didn't deserve this. And I had, if I had saw my neighbor out, I never saw him out in the yard, because I did, I, I promise you I would have said something. What caused so much strife over Christmas decorations? Pride. Early years of, of our marriage, when Angela and I wouldn't get along, you know what the root of that was? Pride, 100%. We have arguments over spaghetti, whether or not it had meat in it or not. Everybody knows you don't put meat in spaghetti sauce, right? Everybody knows you get ragu, you put it in the microwave, and then you pour it on your spaghetti. Everybody knows that, right? (laughs) Nobody's with me. Nobody's with me. Okay, I get get meat in my spaghetti sauce now, okay? okay. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, I, I put meat in my spaghetti sauce now, but I didn't back then. And so again, what, what caused those clashes? Pride. And get this, this is heavy. Pride really could be regarded as the root of all sin. Again, I mean, we, we even, if we trace back the Ten Commandments. Commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That commandment was given to combat what sin? Pride. Thou shalt have no graven images. What's the point? Pride. I don't want God as my God. I want to make my own gods that I can worship later. And again, as you go through the Ten Commandments, they're all meant to combat against lying, stealing, dishonoring your parents, blaspheming against God, covetousness. All of these sins, every one of them can be traced back to Pride. Oh, man. Every inappropriate sexual relationship can be traced back to pride. 
Every marriage that falls apart can be traced back to pride. Every time we lose our cool with somebody, blow our top, lose our temper, say something we shouldn't, it can always be traced back to pride. That's why God resisteth the proud. God is set in array against the proud. The enemy of God is pride. Sometimes people say, again, if you ever hear somebody say this, you just realize that they don't really understand the scriptures. Well, you know, they say that, that money's the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? But, help me out for a second, the love of money comes from what sin? Hello, pride? Okay. I'm making a big, broad statement, okay? Every sin that you and I commit can ultimately be traced back to pride. Now, again, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm willing, I'm willing to hear you out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But as I read through the scriptures, things like adultery and fornication and lasciviousness all trace back to pride. Lying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, all those trace back to pride. It comes down to I just want to do what I want to do and I don't care who it hurts. But here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Hear that out again. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know what that means? If you continue in pride, there's only one way that it ends. Destruction. Guaranteed. It's the only way that it ends. Pride never ends well. Ever. And a haughty spirit before a fall. You pump, puff yourself up and thump your own chest. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before this whole thing falls apart. So what's the answer? Humility. While God resisteth the proud, the Bible says he gives grace to the humble, and our humility draws God closer and creates a pathway for his grace. Hmm. So if God resists the proud, he is actively engaged in pushing them away. He draws near the humble, and our humility prepares a place, a space, if you will, for God to give us his grace and his blessings. You want God's good stuff? The Bible says walk in humility. You want God to bless your life? Walk in humility. You want God to be honored through your life? Walk in humility. That's where God's grace is found. Again, we took a look at this morning, God's mercy and God's grace, and I think we all want God's mercy. We all want God's grace. But if you really want it, you have to walk in humility. That requires a heart shift for a lot of us. Again, I identified that I struggled with pride probably man, 15 or so years ago. And it's something that I have to put to death every single day, and it's something that creeps up on my shoulder if I'm not paying attention. But I cannot afford to live a life of pride. It'll ruin my wife. It'll ruin my children. It'll ruin my relationship with God. It'll ruin my relationship with my church family. It'll ruin our church. And let me help you with this too. Don't think that I say that it'll ruin our church because I'm the pastor and if I'm struggling with pride, it'll ruin our whole church. The Bible says a little leaven leavens a whole lump. All it takes is for you to be a member or regular attender of this church and to be given over to sin and it hurts everybody around you because you're part of the body. And the Bible says if one part of the body's sick, the whole body suffers as a result of it. Hey, look, you cut your finger and get infected, your whole body gets a fever as a result of it. Your whole body suffers because you're, you cut your finger and you have an infection. Your sin is the same way. And so we can't afford to just turn a blind eye to pride going, oh, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a huge deal. It's the gateway to all other sin. But humility makes a way for God to give us his grace. I love Proverbs 28, verse number 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Get this. 
but he that trusteth in the Lord shall be made fat. For us bigger guys, verses like that bring a lot of encouragement, right? <laughs> Thank you. Hey, the heart of him that stirreth up strife, man, God's going to take him down, but he that trusts in the Lord, he shall be made fat. You know what it means there? It means that God will satisfy his needs. What you really want is not the accolades or the attaboys or the pats on the back. You really want the validation that only comes from your father. You really want at the end of your days when you stand before God to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You don't want more likes on Instagram. You don't want your coworkers to say, oh, he's the best guy in the office. He's, she's the greatest gal if you want stuff done. You don't want that. You really just want the affirmation that comes from your father. So walk worthy of your father's adoration. And pride pushes him away, but humility draws him close. That's what you want. Humility requires us to create a value structure where God is always greater. Again, pride wants to create a value structure where I'm always on top. I'm always number one. I always come out better than you. And if I didn't come out better than you, there's a really good reason why. I had an off day, or things didn't go well, or uh, things like that. Like, man, we, we got a bunch of guys together and played basketball uh, a couple of months ago. And man, I, uh, we played hard, I mean, hard basketball. It was half-court, but it was hard half-court basketball. And man, at the end of like 30 minutes, I was totally gassed. I was totally done. Like, like seriously, like we, we were trying to score like the last two points to, to win the game. I finally just walked out to the three-point line and put my hands on my knees and just stood there like this. I mean, if the ball comes my way, I'll swat at it, but like I, I got nothing left. <laughs> but afterwards, you know what I said? Man, I'm, I'm getting older. Let me tell you about this. Back in the day, though, <laughs> I'm just saying, like seriously. Like, I got some mileage on this, on this frame right now, but back in the day, let me tell you. Why? Because if, if I don't perform, i got to make an excuse why I didn't perform, right? And it's got to be somebody else's fault. It's not mine. Oh, Mother Nature just caught up to me. Back in the day, though, I would have tore you guys to pieces. I'm just telling you. Why do I, have, why do I feel the need to make an excuse? Because I'm not the best. Pride. But humility requires that I make a value structure where I don't have to be the best. And let me just tell you this, for those of you that are people pleasers, for those of you that struggle with pride, when you create a value structure where you don't have to always measure up, it's okay to have a bad day, it's okay not to fix everybody's problems, it's okay to not be the, get this, it's okay to not be the savior, that takes a little bit of pressure off. And you can breathe again. I just had a bad day. I'm sorry. I'll try to do better tomorrow. Hey, I can't fix every problem. I'm just going to do my best. Hey, I can't solve every issue that there is that comes up. I, just, I can only do what I, so much. But I know one person who can do everything. I know one person that will never fail me. I know one person that can always come through whenever he chooses to, and that's the Lord. And humility allows me to create a value structure where God's greater and I'm a lot lower. I don't have to be on top every day. I don't have to be the best every day. I don't have to be better than everybody else every day. I can just be who God created me to be, and that takes a lot of pressure off, allows me to breathe, because now I'm not beholden to what other people think of me. I'm able to be honest about who I am. I'm able to say, hey, this is me. It is what it is. Because I don't feel the need to measure up to everybody else's standard because I've created a value structure now where God is always on top and I'll always be somewhere way below. And that's okay. That's the way God designed us. Psalm 34, verse number two. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. If I'm gonna brag on something, I'm gonna brag on how good God is. If you're gonna hear me boast, I'm going to boast about how great our Savior is. Somebody walked out today and they said, oh, pastor, that was such a great message. And I said, no, 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 no. I plagiarized that 100%. Every single bit of it was from the Bible. There's not a single original thought in that whatsoever. It's just a really good book, isn't it? Why? 
Because I don't want to take credit for something that wasn't mine. I don't want people to walk away going, wow, what a great preacher of the word. Because I'm not. I'm just not. I can tell people what the Bible says. That doesn't make me a great preacher. It just means that I read well. But again, my soul will boast in the Lord. Man, I think, I think a fifth grader could take the Bible and come away with something good from it because it's a phenomenal, supernatural book. I think any Christian who lives according to the Bible can be blessed in their life and you don't say, wow, what a great life you have. No, I'm incredibly, ridiculously blessed. Look, if God has given me anything in my life, it's not because anything that I've done right. It's despite all the things I've done wrong because God is merciful and God is gracious. I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my children. I don't desire God's love. I don't desire my salvation. I don't deserve a church family like this. I don't deserve to even be alive today because I recognize who I am in light of who God is. And my soul will boast in the Lord. I'll brag on Jesus all day long. And you know the great part about that? I don't have to brag on myself. Because here's the thing. When you brag on yourself, you have to leave out all the parts about yourself that aren't great, right? Oh, yeah, I got up at uh, 5 o'clock this morning and worked out. And uh, heavy back squats and deadlifts and bench presses. And uh, kind of sore, but I'm getting kind of swole, you know. Uh, just uh, trying to be, trying to take care of the temple of God, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then you left out, you haven't read your Bible in a week. We've had four services at church this week, and you haven't attended any of them, right? Whenever we brag, we always have to leave out the, the negative parts about us, don't we? But get this, when I boast in the Lord, there's no downside. I don't have to hide anything. And again, I'm not making myself out to be somebody that I'm not, so I'm comfortable with my own shortcomings and failures. Because my boast is not in me, my boast is in the Lord this statement's not unique to me, but it's uh, something that I heard several years ago that I thought was helpful. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Humility is not being a, a, a Debbie Downer on yourself. Oh, I'm a terrible excuse for a human being. Of course, nobody likes me. There's nothing likable about me. I'm a terrible person. I'm a horrible friend. I if, if I was me, I wouldn't want to be friends with me. That's not humility. That's negative self-talk. There's a difference. Humility is, get this, oh, get this, all right, I'm going to help you. Humility is the idea that life does not revolve around me. And let me tell you, sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. It's easy to tell it to your kids, isn't it? Well, I didn't get my way. I don't like how this was done. Yeah. Buckle up, buttercup. Life's not about you. That's easy. Isn't it? It's kind of fun to say, too. Yeah, life's not about you. <laughs> it's a little bit harder when you're an adult, though, right? I didn't get my way. People at work were mean to me. <laughs> life's not about you. <laughs> yeah, you can save that today. I'm not in the mood for that, all right? Why? Because I've created a structure where I'm the center of the universe, where everything revolves around me. And the problem is, is that we've found branches of so-called Christianity that feed into that. God exists to make you happy. Now that you're God's child, he's placed you on a pedestal and he exists to serve you and to remove out all the obstacles in your life and to clear a path for you so that you can walk without any opposition whatsoever and you're going to be healthy and you're going to be wealthy and you're going to be wise and you're going to be well-liked and everyone will cheer when they hear your name. What? That's not Christianity. Christianity is that we have a Savior who is high and holy and lifted up. He is the point of our worship. He is the one that we don't uh, elevate ourselves, but we bow down in the presence of. And think about this. Worship requires humility. Worship requires me to admit that I'm not everything, that God is everything. And so humility is the idea that the universe does not revolve around me. There's something greater than me out there. And I'll tell you this, there is something greater, and his name is Jesus. Humility, though, get this, 
Humility gives God the opportunity to exalt me, though. If I walk in humility and submission, submission goes hand in hand with humility, by the way. Submission is the idea that I'm setting my own self to the side for someone else. Humility and submission go hand in hand. Because pride has to have the last word. Pride has to have its way. Humility is willing to submit. I'm willing to to allow someone else to have their way. Submission to Christ is necessary for the Christian. If you want to live a joy-filled Christian life, guaranteed. But get this. If I walk in humility, God has promised this, that he will exalt me in due time. Matthew 23, verse number 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 18, verse number 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus went on to say this, as the apostles were walking down the road, talking about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus said this, The greatest among you will be your, anybody help me? Servant. Seems kind of strange. To be great, you have to humble yourself. Yeah. Passover meal. The apostles meet with Jesus in an upper room. They sit down at the table. They get ready to eat dinner. Nobody's washed feet yet. Normally there's a servant that's hired that's lower than everyone else that washes feet. There's no servant here. There's no slave at the door to wash feet. But everybody looks around like, I ain't washing feet. Mm -mm. So Jesus stands up takes a towel, ties it around his waist, grabs a basin of water, and then begins to wash feet. Gets to Peter. Peter's like, uh-uh, not me. Let me wash my feet. Jesus says, I don't wash your feet. You're, not, you're no part of me. But here's the funny thing. Peter, 30 seconds earlier, wasn't about to wash anybody's feet, but now he's not going to allow Christ to wash his feet. Isn't it interesting how Peter went from pride to humility so quick? But here's what Jesus says. The greatest among you will be your servant. I'm, di- I'm doing this to give you an example how to serve other people. And get this, Christ, after he was crucified, after he was buried in a tomb for three days, rose again to his exalted position. Get this, Jesus will no longer be the Lamb of God. You know why? Because the Lamb of God's blood was shed for the sins of the world, and God is done with the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is now the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will never, ever be mistreated ever again because now he is king of kings and lord of lords and he is exalted. And so we see a a person who humbled themselves unto death, even the death of the cross, and now is highly exalted and God has given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But how did he get that exalted position? Humility. He had to humble himself first. Now, you and I will never be exalted to the status of God, nor should we desire to have the exaltation to the level of God. But the principle is the same. Humble yourself, and in due time, he will lift you up. So, if pride is the gateway to all sin, if pride is the reason for all drama and discord, then humility is the antidote to all drama and discord. Again, if only by pride comes contention, how do we fix it? Humility. And sometimes in conflict, this requires you to be the bigger person. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Okay, that's fine. No, tell me how you really feel. I don't know that that's necessarily wise. I don't have to have the last word. I don't have to be right. I don't have to posture and bow up, make you think that I'm tough or powerful. I just got to allow God to work through me. And humility is the antidote for that. Submission to Christ is the antidote for that. So if you got problems in your life, drama, fighting, people not getting along, humility is always the answer. Did you know in the history of who we call a Baptist church, we're uh, we'll be nine years old, I can't believe it, in October. So we're eight and a half years old. In eight and a half years, we've never had any church drama that's lasted more than seven days, ever. 
And it was only seven days because I found out about it late. <laughs> it was going on, I didn't know about it. But the second I found out about it, hey, we're going to sit down, we're going to hash this out, or somebody's got to go. Simple as that. And it required a healthy dose of humility. There have been times in our church where I sat down with somebody and said, hey, if you're going to continue to attend church here at Hui Kali, you need to repent to this person and make things right. Well, I don't think I have to. Well, according to the Bible, you do. Well, I'm not going to. Okay, I'll help you find another church. And I'll call the pastor and let him know that you're living in unrepentant sin and you wish to join their congregation. You would do that? I'm biblically bound to do that. But you know what the root of the problem was? It was pride. I'm not going to apologize. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not willing to make anything right. And then it finally came down to this. And again, this sounds so super spiritual. That's fine. I'll love them, but I don't have to like them. Oh, that's so like Christ. That's so like Jesus. Well, I'll go to church with them, but don't expect me to shake their hand or I'll sit on the opposite side of them at church. Absolutely, you will not under no circumstances whatsoever. You know why? Because that's the root of pride. And that doesn't fly here. So seriously, sin enters into our, our church, known sin, unrepentant sin. It has to go because it affects the whole body. What's the answer to that? Humility. Humility. And there's been so many times where people have said, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Hey, I'm sorry, I was so puffed up with pride. Hey, I'm sorry, I, I'm just going through a lot and I felt like, you know, I was owed something. And humility fixes all that. It's a, it's a soothing balm to the things that ail us. Proverbs chapter 26, verse number 20, where there's no wood, the fire goeth out. Where there's no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. Humility says, I don't have to have the last word. I don't have to be right. I don't have to say my piece. I don't have to argue. I don't have to stand on my soapbox. I don't have to prove my point. I don't have to say, I told you so. I can just let it be. And where there is no wood, the fire goes out. But pride, you know what pride wants to do? Pride wants to back up a pickup truck full of firewood and throw it on the fire and just keep it raging because I need to be right. I need to have my say. I'll look weak if I don't deal with this. Oh, heaven forbid you look weak. Man, humility is the answer for that. And again, if pride is the gateway, the root of all sin, we could say that humility can be regarded as the root of all righteousness. Humility says, I'm willing to submit myself to the authority of Christ. I'm willing to say that whatever Jesus says is, is gospel truth for me. I'm willing to follow whatever he says regardless of how much I don't like it. I choose to humble myself. And humility and submission to Christ, it fixes all of it. And we don't have those moments where I just want to do what I want to do. We don't have those moments where I'm going to do what I want and hopefully God will forgive me. No, 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 no. I'm submitted to Christ. I would never want to do anything that would damage my relationship with God. I would never want to do anything that would hurt my church family. I would never want to do anything that would harm my own soul. I would never want to do anything that would ultimately steal my joy. I desire to walk in humility. So, just remember, pride destroys Everything it touches, everything. And if you struggle with pride, you need to keep it in check every single day of your life. Because when pride goes unchecked, when pride gets loose, it's very difficult to reel it back in. Because pride gives us an inflated sense of self we think we're more important than we actually are. We think that we're smarter than we actually are. We think we know more than we actually do. We think that everybody exists for our pleasure. And people just get in our way. Pride destroys everything it touches. But humility brings peace and God's blessings. <clears throat> I know you want God's blessings. I know you want to have joy in your life. I know you want to be blessed by God because you realize that you can't buy God's blessings. You can't go to Target and pick up God's blessings. You can't go to Best Buy and buy God's blessings. 
That's what you really want. You don't want more stuff. You don't want status. You don't want a new car. You don't want a platform. You don't want to be well-liked. You really just want the blessings that God gives. And again, when I'm talking about God's blessings, I'm not talking about God's monetary blessings. He might bless you that way. But the blessings he wants to give you don't have a price tag, like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. That's really what your heart craves. How do you get those things? Humility and submission to Christ. A hundred times out of a hundred. And final thought, you can humble yourself or God can do it for you. Totally up to you. If Jesus said, the proud will be abased and the humble will be exalted, you get to pick which end of the scale that you're on. And you can either choose to humble yourself or God can do the humbling for you. But just know this, God will not compete with your pride. God's not going to try to one-up your pride. Think about it. When you and I try to exalt ourselves above God and our pride tries to one-up God, it's like me playing basketball with a three-year-old. It's not even fair. It's embarrassing. You and I could never possibly exalt ourselves over God. And to just try is foolish. But God's not even going to play that game with you. He's just going to humble you. He'll cut you down if he needs to. You say, well, I don't believe God would do that. You need to read about chastisement. Again, if pride is a sin, and it is, and you want to walk in pride and puff yourself up, just know this, God will chastise you and he will cut you down and take from you everything that you hold dear. Because the only thing that you should truly hold dear is Jesus. Right? So, I told you tonight it was going to be spicy. hope I didn't disappoint you. It's heavy stuff, isn't it? You know what's hard for me? is I'm talking to you about something that I fight against every single day. I fought against pride today. When somebody walked out and they said, oh my soul, this is one of the most incredible churches I've ever been in in my entire life. Come here for the first time and say that today. Yeah, we're pretty special, aren't we? <laughs> and I said, I praise God for that. Some of the greatest Christians I've ever met in my entire life go to church here. And if I was the pastor of this church, I would be a church member because that's how incredible this church is. I can't take credit for this. I'm not this smart. I'm not that good. The blessings we've seen come upon our church family is not because I'm a totally awesome pastor. It's because we serve a totally awesome God. I can't take credit for any of that. And so again, we need to walk in humility. It's tough for me to preach a message like this because I fight against it every single day. But here's the thing. The moment that we stop fighting, sin overtakes us. And let me just tell you this. It's not a sin to fight against sin. Man, again, for me to say that I am drawn to pride and that I have to constantly beat it with a baseball bat every single morning when I wake up out of bed, that's not a sin because I'm, I'm putting my flesh to death. It becomes a sin when we lay down and are comfortable with our sin. That's when it's a problem. Hey, look, you're fighting against sin of any kind. Man, join the club. The problem comes when we make excuses for our sin. We cover up our sin. We lay down with our sin. We get comfortable with our sin. And again, I, I told you, I've in the past made excuses for my sin. Oh, I want to be liked because I wasn't popular in high school. I want to be liked because I never really had a lot of friends. I want to be liked. All that's just excuses. The fact of the matter is, I'm a proud man and I want the approval of man. And I've got to repent of that and make it right. Otherwise, God will fix it for me. So, let's walk in humility this week. Let's be a church that while, I, I, here's the thing, I really believe that we as a church should celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness. Sometimes I, I, I sarcastically and sometimes facetiously say that who we call is the best church since the book of Acts. You know, I think it's funny. I think there's probably partly truth to that. You know, again, I've been in church my whole life. I've never been in a church like this before. But help us to never get so puffed up with pride about how awesome our church is and how crummy everybody else's church is. That's just another form of pride, and God's not pleased with that. Again, if we got t-shirts or 
bumper stickers or hoodies or stuff like that with our church name on it. Let's just talk about God's goodness and his graciousness and his faithfulness to a group of people that are just a bunch of sinners that are just trying to do better than we did yesterday, that are trying to live our lives for the glory of God. We're not perfect, but we're trying. Let's give God the glory for that. Heaven forbid anybody brag on how great uh, our church is or how great our pastor is or anything like that. Hey, let's just give glory to God for that. Because humility invites God's blessings. We want to live that way this week. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.